Hi, this is Nick Forster. Welcome to another episode of E-Town. This one is a, a show we recorded a few years ago with a couple of artists from the northwest of the United States. Blind Pilot got their start out in Astoria, Oregon, and then later relocated to Portland. Mira was from Olympia, Washington, and relocated to Brooklyn eventually. But those are our two musical guests. We have a great Achievement Award story about how to save, essentially, trees in the Himalayas through this project that's developing these really cool stoves and helping people bring healthier fires into their homes for cooking and heating. Anyway, as you might imagine, it's another really interesting combination of ingredients. Here it comes. E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. It's E-Town with this week's musical guests from Portland, Oregon, ATO recording artist Blind Pilot, and from Brooklyn, New York, Mira. I'm Helen Forrester. Right now, please join me in welcoming our host, Nick Forrester. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town Hall. Really excited about this week's show. We're really covering some ground stylistically, geographically, and generationally. We've got an award winner who was born in the 1930s. Our musical guests were born in the 70s and 80s. One from the West Coast, one from the East Coast. We've got one big band and one uh, pretty sparse, one male, one female. But they're all smart, good songwriters and singers, and, and we just met them today, and we've been having fun already, so I'm excited. Up first, Blind Pilot. They started out when uh, Israel Nebecker and Ryan Dabrowski got together about 10 years ago in Portland, Oregon. They started performing as a duo. In 2008, the first Blind Pilot record came out full band, and that has continued a full-fledged folk-based art rock ensemble. I don't know how to describe it, and those, you know, you don't need to really. You're going to hear for yourselves in just a minute. But they've got a bunch of cool instruments and sounds and voices and uh, Israel doing the songwriting. They just released a new record. They are just starting a pretty substantial tour. Really interesting band, and we're glad they're here. Please welcome, for their first visit to E-Town, Blind Pilot. Drifting through my world 
Are you quiet as your name On the day before it came Are you in the meaning That it sang in me With its sound Every dream stuck in my mouth Talking north, talking south You said you believed me As the sun rise without a doubt
Israel Nebaker. Welcome to E-Town. Thanks a lot. Congratulations on Blind Pilot success. Yeah. Seems like things are going well. Yeah, it feels good to be um, out with another album. Yeah. Well, if, if you don't mind, I want to kind of go back to, uh, you know, get a little background. First, maybe we start by just telling us a little bit about uh, Astoria, Oregon, your, your hometown. It's a little town. We were talking about that uh, you have roots to the name Astor. Oh, yeah, yeah well... Yeah, but not the, I've never been to Astoria. Yeah, okay. Well, you yeah. should come. It's, it's nice. It's, it's small. It's like 10,000 people or yeah. about that. It's kind of growing now that Portland's growing. Yeah, like, it's uh, way out there at, at the, uh, the mouth of the Columbia River. And, yeah. And it's a place your family was pretty deeply involved in the community, it seemed like. Definitely, yeah. My, uh, well, my mom's a county commissioner there, and my dad was an artist. He taught at the college there, the local, local college, and uh, his studio was there in like, one of the old cannery buildings, because Astoria is rooted in fishing and logging industry. Right. I'm just curious. I know it was a creative household, and your parents were both travelers and you know, engaged in the community, as I said, but was there a lot of music in your household when you were growing up, or was it there was, um, more visual art? And- I mean, my dad was pretty into folk music, like mostly, you know, 60s folk revival kind of, yeah. you know, like New York folk scene. Yeah. So there was, there was a lot of music in that way. He was learning the banjo, you know, the, the whole time that I knew him. Right. And so, yeah, <laughs> he'd bring it out once in a while. I, uh, I'm talking about your family, not only just to get a sense of where you come from, but also because this record is connected to and about and inspired by losing your dad, who died actually two years ago today. Yeah, that's right. And he, from what I gathered and from what I could see, he was just sort of an outsized character, really engaged as a professor, a dynamic influence on a lot of his students, a really celebrated artist with a big impact. And, you know, you can, you can tell us more, obviously. Your dad's name is Royal, right? Yeah. Royal yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of homework. That's, uh, <laughs> it, that's, that's true, all those things. He was, you know... It's been really great in the last couple of years. A lot of people in the community have come to me and said, you know, your dad, he inspired me to, you know, go on with, a, to pursue art. And it's nice how these connections, these things that we do in our lifetime, they continue beyond us and keep going. Yeah. There's a beautiful uh, connection to the cover art of your latest record. And uh, it's yeah. a story that maybe you could share about your family tradition. It's so cool, I thought. Sure. So when I was a kid, my mom sewed up these flags and my dad painted on them. We each got our own flag. And then when we would do something generous or good, something outstanding or whatever, notable, uh, our flag would go up on the kitchen wall and we'd get to feel really proud, like, (laughs) all right, I I got my flag up there. And so after my dad's death, I kind of, I came across this flag and I decided to hang it up in my studio, kind of like continuing encouragement. That was your flag from when that you were a kid? That was like my, yeah, the, my Israel flag. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, honestly, it kind of started as like, I thought it would be a funny inside joke if I put it on the album cover because nobody would know it, but my flag would be all these different places. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's pretty cool. Look, I did something good again <laughs> here in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. There was an interesting thing that your dad uh, said in one of his you know, interviews that I read. He talked about sort of being obscure or indirect. And I was thinking, you know, some of your songwriting is open to interpretation. You know, it's filled with imagery and language that isn't always obvious in terms of the storyline. Sure. Leaving it open. But your dad said something. He said, I don't intentionally obscure meaning, but I distrust clarity. 
Yeah. Does that something? Is that something you can relate to? It sounds like him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I w I would say my dad is my biggest mentor in yeah. songwriting, even though he didn't write songs. But we would we had an ongoing conversation about creative process and universal qualities of it that would yeah. translate across different fields. And one thing that I picked up and mimicked from his work is that if your intention is in the right place and you are talking about something very personal, it can become universal if you don't worry too much about the, uh, I guess, the clarity of it. Like, will people get this? I take a lot of delight in people getting messages of songs, even when it's not clear. And I guess I am ultimately encouraged by that, just that art can do that. It, yeah. The, the message is translated even if you can't explain why. That guidance, I just, it, it, I think it's pretty powerful and it's cool that your dad, and I'm sure your mom, were, you know, able to influence you in that way as a creative person. That's pretty cool. Yeah. In case you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm here with Israel Nebaker from Blind Pilot. I have to mention also, early on you did a bicycle tour. The band did a bicycle tour. We did. From Bellingham to San Diego. Yeah. That's a long... That's a long trip on bicycles with instruments. Yeah. Tell us just a little about that. <laughs> that was the second bike trip. The first bike trip was Ryan and I, and we went from Vancouver, BC, down to San Francisco. Our bikes got stolen on that trip, so that was the end of it. Uh, but then we, then we recorded Three Rounds in a Sound, our first album, and we went with uh, other musicians, too, on the next bike trip. Yeah. That was the beginning of the band. It was just going to be like a summer side project, a fun idea to do, uh, just show up in towns and ask where people might play music and see how far yeah. we could get. Did you have shows lined up for, on your bike trip that put pressure on you? It's like, God, we got to make 50 miles today because I got a gig. It starts at 8. <laughs> we didn't have many yeah. uh, set up at all. It was more and like just ride and wherever you get, find a place to play. Uh, we were getting really frustrated the first half of the trip because we couldn't really get many gigs lined up. Yeah. And then we just kind of th threw that idea away and just rode into whatever town looked nice and played wherever. And that yeah. worked out great. Yeah. Well, it's a great part of your band mythology. I think it's really cool. It certainly fits with the ethos around here at our little solar-powered uh, musical mecca here. Yeah. Well, listen, I don't want to take up more time, but, but um, Israel, I just appreciate you spending some time with us, getting to know you guys, and it's lovely to hear your music. Let's, let's hear some more. You got it. Yeah. yeah. Welcome back, Blind Pilot.
Israel Nebaker of lead vocals and guitar, Luke Yidsti, Katie Claiborne, Dave Jorgensen, Ian Christ, and Ryan Dubrowski. The record's called And Then Like Lions out on ATO Records. They'll be back to play some more music later on in the show. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by Protect Our Winters, a nonprofit organization empowering outdoor enthusiasts, athletes, and forward-thinking business leaders to advocate for long-term solutions to climate change, protecting our sports, and the places we love. Learn more at protectourwinters.org. And by Silk, a pioneer of plant-based beverages that supports the environment as the charter sponsor of Change the Course, a program created by National Geographic to help conserve and restore fresh water to the planet. More about Silk's environmental commitments and plant-based nutrition at silk.com. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. This is E-Town Blind Pilots. Going to be back later on in the show. And coming up, a great singer originally from Philadelphia, now living in New York City. Mira is here with us. But before we get back to music, we're going to intro- introduce you all to somebody that, uh, as happens every week, uh, we basically get to meet these new people through uh, astute listeners who share these stories with us. And we get to pass the stories on to you. It's every, every week, it's a story about somebody who just looked around, saw an opportunity to make things better and decided to take those few steps, and those steps ultimately led to great things. So we get to celebrate those stories, um, and, and with something called the Achievement Award, and here's Helen to tell you about this week's winner. Thank you, Nick. Listener Jeff Blumenfeld turned us on to this week's story, featuring George Bosch of Taos, New Mexico. George is an immigrant from Vienna. As a small child, he fled with his family to America shortly after Hitler took over Austria in 1938. 
As an adult, George enjoyed a successful career in real estate, as well as extensive traveling in his spare time, experiencing several areas of the world. After suffering the tragic loss of his son Paul to suicide in 1998, George eventually traveled to Nepal in 2001. There, he discovered that indoor cooking fires and poor ventilation were causing severe health problems for the general populace, especially women and children. Years later, when he learned about an innovative new stove that could correct the situation, George decided to start an all-volunteer nonprofit organization to supply these items to Nepalese families. Turns out this effort is helping to combat a serious health threat and improving the environment in the process. Here with us from Taos, New Mexico, is our winner, George Bosch, to tell us more. George, welcome. Glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I want to, uh, you know, extend my sympathies over the loss of your son. Thank you. And was that around the time that you went to Nepal for the first time? It was a few years before that. Yeah. And uh, you learned of the problems of indoor cooking fires when you were there? Yes, in Nepal. Yeah. Every home that you go into in Nepal and every tea house, they're cooking either with open campfires in the home itself or with very inefficient stoves. So they're filled with smoke. And when they're cooking or when they're using dung as a fuel, it's really pretty rotten. Yeah. And the culture is such that it's predominantly women and children in the house during most of the time? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. So they're being adversely affected by that. Right. The men are out either working or drinking. Yeah. yeah. Men. <laughs> We're the worst. Um, and then how did you find out about an alternative? I encountered it the first time in Nepal in 2001 when I was there with Eric Weinmayer, who was one of your oh, yeah. Achievement Award winners yeah. and is here in the audience. Oh, well, Eric is well-known uh, internationally as a, a blind climber who yes. summited Everest. Yeah. So that was my first exposure yeah. to it. And then I went back in 2009 in a different region, not around Everest. And it was even more pervasive there because there was practically no wood. So they were burning dung, and it was really noxious. Yeah. And uh, a few months later, I was trekking in Bhutan, and somebody told me about this very efficient stove And it was one of those cartoon light bulb moments, you know, where the light turns on, and uh, that's how it all started. Yeah. How did you you connect the dots? How did you get the stoves to the place where it needed to be? Well, we got four dozen stoves and got them out to various communities in Nepal with the idea being to see, was this a good idea? Would it work? And I went back in the spring of 2011, and uh, by golly... uh, We asked how many they wanted, and by the time we added it all up, we had requests for 4,000 stoves. Oh, wow. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. So there you've got another problem on your hands. Your good idea turned into such a good idea that now you've got an insatiable, you know, desire for more of these stoves that you probably couldn't just write a check for and deliver, right? Well, actually, I did write a check for the first bunch that went over there because I knew that if we went out knocking on doors, whether it was corporate to corporate sponsors or individuals, that they would say, yeah, right, you got this great idea. So we bought a container of stoves and shipped them over there. And that was, uh, as they say in the venture capital business, proof of concept. Right. And uh, that's how we got started. Wow, that's amazing. And Helen mentioned the fact that there's the environmental impact is not just the uh, immediate one of cutting down on the smoke in the dwellings themselves, but also 
cutting down on the pressure on the forests. That's correct. These stoves are, are highly efficient. Uh, they cut down the indoor air pollution by 90%, and they cut down the fuel use by 75%. Wow. So we're helping the health situation in the home, we're helping the forest, we're putting less soot into the environment, and it's a safer environment in the home because the kids frequently fall into these open fires and, and suffer oh, very wow. severe injuries. Wow. So everything that we're doing has a strong positive effect. That's pretty cool, George. And so once you had your proof of concept, first container load goes over there, then you go around and you start raising, raising money and, and spreading the word and, and getting more stoves? That's exactly right, yeah. and it's an ongoing process. When did all this start? I encountered the stove conversationally in Bhutan in the end of 2009. We have delivered almost 4,000 stoves, and we have impacted the lives of over 30,000 people. That's amazing. That's amazing. Before we go, Helen mentioned that, that you had success in real estate, and you were obviously traveling, not with a particular agenda, but I just want to ask you about the need to give back. Where did that come from? It's in our family's DNA. Yeah. My, my dad was a Boy Scout leader in Vienna when he was a young man. Uh, the school that I went to in Chicago, we did an annual toy shop for the needy kids and went down to the settlement houses and distributed toys. Uh, I started my first small project the year that I graduated from MIT, and it's just been onward all yeah. that way. It's just it's just what we do. Right. Do you think it's as prevalent as a sort of part of the definition of success as it could be? I know a lot of people think about success just strictly in monetary terms, but it seems to me like you've, um, you, you feel as successful probably doing this project as you have doing anything else you've done in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you can't afford to do projects if you're not able to take care of yourself and your family. Right. But you reach a point, how much is enough, and what do I do with my time and my energy and my capabilities and the connections that you've made, and how do you, how do you marshal those so that you can give something back to the society as a yeah. whole? And am I right in, in that you're just about to turn 80 years old? That's right. That's right. Well, George, you're doing great. Amazing. Before we go, let me just ask you if there's a website where if somebody wants more information or see photographs of what you're up to, is a place they can go? The name is HimalayanStoveProject.org or HSPOrg.org. HimalayanStoveProject.org. George, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Thanks for coming all the way up from New Mexico to be here in person. And we've got a Framed Achievement Award certificate for you. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. Congratulations. This week's winner, George Bosch co-founder the Himalayan Stove Project. Well, many thanks to listener Jeff Blumenfeld for this great story. If you just tuned in and you missed part of this interview, you can find it in its entirety on our website, etown.org. Or if you want to nominate someone doing great work to better the lives of others or the planet in some way, you can do that on our website as well by heading to our homepage and clicking on the word award at the far right of the top menu. Or you can always write in the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, George. 
We have more music coming up from Blind Pilot in just a little while. Right now, I want to tell you about our next guest. A wonderful singer, Mira, is here. Her full name is Mira Yom Tov Zeitlin. She was born in Philadelphia. She grew up in a family that uh, ran a small natural foods bakery from out of their basement. And she grew up having a macrobiotic diet and even lived on a commune in West Virginia for a while. And the free-spirited kind of hippie family, her words, led her to feel, I think, a kind of musical freedom to explore her tastes in lots of different directions. She started out with Motown and, and uh, some sort of pop music and then folk music, and has, it's grown from there. She moved west for about 20 years, starting when she went to college, and she stayed there developing her songwriting and performing chops, making connections, making lots of records and recordings. All the while, I just have to say, really good songcraft, good songwriting, really good singing. She's here with her friend uh, Maya McDonald, who's also a great singer. Her newest CD is called Changing Light. Please welcome to E-Town, Mira. Be the currency gets spent on war 
For those listening uh, on the radio, Mira has no shoes on. <laughs> just, you know, just wanted you to get a sense of what's going on around here. Anyway, thanks for joining us. So good to hear you sing. Um, I love the story about uh, you going on a peace march when you were 12. I did that, yeah. It's like six weeks or something, right? Yeah, it was the Great Peace March for Global Nuclear Disarmament. So it was a cross-country march from L.A. to D.C. I had spent several years having these really um, deep-seated fears about nuclear proliferation. And I I was a pretty aware child. Um, So, like, starting in fourth grade, that was definitely on my mind. It was 1984. Yeah. That was a big year for nuclear fear. Apocalypse, yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of fourth graders were going through that, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I actually, I, I'm being facetious, but of course, you know, I, I'm the generation where we grew up with, you know, bomb shelters and you know, hiding under our desks as if that would help. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, and I knew about that. Yeah. <laughs> I had learned about that, and then I learned about nuclear weapons, and um, and then my cousin Crystal told me about this peace march and it was a whole bunch of people trying yeah. to do something about that. And we actually went without our parents. Um, so our, our parents, uh, it's so cool that they did that. That's really cool. It is so cool. <laughs> well, I think that speaks volumes to, again, your connection to your family and the trust they placed in you and the kind of, um, the kind of launch that they gave you as a creative person, which is basically, you can do anything you want, uh-huh. is essentially what you were taught, right? Basically. Yeah. And um, for those of you who haven't heard her records, Mira's records are lovely sort of sonic landscapes, some even with orchestras, you know, and and full orchestration. I don't know whether you've ever had a chance to perform with an orchestra behind you. You have? Uh Uh-huh. Was that amazing? It was amazing. Yeah, Yeah, I performed with the Oregon Symphony a couple years ago. Yeah. So... yeah, that was a great experience. Yeah. Well, listen, we, we're going to get back to music, but I just appreciate you stopping by and getting to know you a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Welcome back to E-Town, if you would. Mira. Nick and Helen and the E-Tones are going to join us on this one. It's called Radio Mind. Speaking of Radio Mind, the, what I, I was thinking of, like, oh, Nick is so good at his job because he knows sort of how to, like, Guide me from just talking and talking and talking. <laughs> that's, that's a skill, um, especially with me.
favorite things to do it's just like jump on stage and there's this amazing band behind me it's just plays everything perfectly so thanks guys words could not describe the twinkle in your eyes the fireworks that happen inside my heart they're snapping i'm wishing on a star to be with you this lazy afternoon will find me in my room Plucking petals one by one Oh, my heart will come undone Wondering if my wishes will come true I'm waiting for the day you let me love you I'm like a flower spooning for the sun Shine on me so tenderly, my love And say that you 
Think about the moon and hope that maybe soon We'll be together, I can tell our romance Will be like a spell cast upon the town when we're around Chris Engelman, Christian Teal, and Ron Jolly, Helen Forrester. The record is called Changing Light from Brooklyn, New York. Mira, along with Maya McDonald, electric guitar and vocals. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. And by the way, if you're just tuning in and you've missed some of this week's show, the podcast of this episode and other past E-Town shows are available for free in iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast directories. Each show is listed under the names of our visiting artists. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I want to say a little to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like KYUK in Bethel, Alaska, on Tyne FM, the rhythm of Tyneside in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in England, and at WKGC in Panama City, Florida. Thank you all for listening. As always, if you want more information about any of our guests this week or you want to see videos and see what everybody looks like, all that stuff is on the web at etown.org. Would you help me welcome back to the stage Blind Pilot. Oh 
on the lead vocals and guitar, Luke Yidsti on bass, electric guitar, dobro and vocals, Katie Claiborne on the electric guitar and dulcimer and banjo, and Dave Jorgensen on the organ and harmonium and trumpet, Ian Chris on vibraphone, percussion and drum pad, Ryan Dabrowski on the drums. Their latest is called And Then Like Lions out on ATO Records. I want to get everybody out for this last song. I want to thank all our guests this week. Um, thanks to, uh, to Mira for coming out along with Maya McDonald, now based in New York. Lovely singing, songwriting. Thanks to our award winner, George Bosch, doing amazing work helping people in the Himalayan communities get smoke-free cooking and heating. Thanks to the band Blind Pilot coming out from the state of Oregon. Thanks to Helen and the E-Tones. Thanks to all of you for coming and being a part of this week's program. We, uh, we found a song that we have never done as a finale until tonight. So it's another first for us. It's a kink song that fits perfectly. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. Where you going, I don't mind. I've killed my world and killed my time. So where do I go, what do I see? I see many people coming after me So where are you going to, I don't mind If I live too long, I'm afraid I'll die So I will follow you wherever you go If your offered hand is still open to me Strangers on this road, we are on. We are.
Produced by a donor-supported nonprofit organization. To make an Achievement Award nomination or comment on the show in general, feel free to visit our website, etown.org, or contact us through Twitter or our two Facebook pages. Distribution of Etown is made possible by our family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you. This is a production of the E-Town Radio Network. That's Blind Pilot and Mira, 
along with the Great Achievement Award story about the Himalayan Stove Project. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.